40. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, we say that every day, but we really do mean it once again. uh, We really want you to see God as you come to his word. He primarily says his word is about him revealing himself. So it's not about necessarily us, what we ought to do and how we ought to get our lives right. But it is truly about God. All right. So Zechariah, we've been in the book of Zechariah and Zechariah is the second to last book of the Old Testament. Right. Like, wow, we're almost done. Literally one more day after this and we're done with the Old Testament. How exciting. I'm super excited. I've been loving this. Uh, and so, man, it's just so good um, because we see here kind of like we left off last time talking about Zechariah. You know, chapter 13 is going to talk about this theme of the day of the Lord. Remember, the prophets are going to beat the same drum over and over, fam. You you know what's coming. They're talking about the day of the Lord. And sometimes it talks about restoration for the people of God. But sometimes it talked about judgment on the nations. And sometimes it talked about judgment on Israel, right? Like it has this multifaceted, kind of like a diamond. It has many faces. And depending on which way you look at it is what you're going to get. So here... It was on the context. Remember last time I was talking about how it pointed to Christ, right? Like this day of the Lord pointed to the crucifixion of Jesus, right? It was foreshadowing this blessing for the people of God, a judgment for the son of God, but a blessing for the people of God. And these next uh, few verses, the top few verses of chapter 13 confirm that interpretation. So it says this on that day, a fountain will be open for the house of David and for the residents of Jerusalem to wash away sin and impurity. Verse two, on that day, this is the declaration of the Lord of armies. I'll remove the names of the idols from the land and they will no longer be remembered. I will banish the prophets and unclean spirits from the land. Um, One of the things you see here is that this imagery of fountain cleansing the people's sin is what was used in the Old Testament for the Israelite purification rituals, right? That will purify them from their uncleanness, which came from, as the text talks about, the worship of idols and commitment of false prophecy. So in other words, God is going to reappropriate this language in the New Testament, talking about washing away our sins in, in Christ's blood. But he's talking, uh, he's, he's alluding to what happened in the Old Testament when the Israelites would literally purify themselves with water and that would symbolically cleanse them before Yahweh. And so we see here something greater is coming. God is like, fam, also, I'm going to do that. I'm going to remove the sin and impurity from you, but I'm also going to, uh, you know, remove both idols and false prophecy from the lamb. One of the things you see in the life of Christ, right, is how he does these miracles right these mighty mighty miracles especially casting out demons and things like that why does he does that why does he do that have you ever asked yourself that right he does that because he's trying to cleanse the land right he's trying to cleanse the land of all unpure and unclean spirits and any darkness right he's pushing back on that in his very own life right and so we see the son of god here being alluded to once Again, so good. Zechariah. And again, the Israelites hearing this at the time probably would not have understood it that way. They just would have known that Yahweh would intervene into history and make these things happen, even if they didn't know how it would happen. Verse seven through nine. Swore awake against my shepherd, against the man who is my associate. This is a declaration of the Lord of armies. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones in the whole 
land, this is the Lord. This is the Lord's decoration. Two thirds will be cut off and die, but a third will be left in it. What does he mean? So the Lord Jesus will pick up this text um, in places like Matthew 26, speaking of his own arrest to announce that the inauguration of the day of the Lord is here. Where basically the text is saying when the day of the Lord comes, listen, the true believers will be separated from the false ones. Right. So there is a reality um, right now. Uh, of what theologians call the visible church and the invisible church, right? And so basically the visible church is the folks that you see today outwardly professing to place their faith in Christ Jesus and to be Christians, right? They pledge an allegiance to Christ outwardly. The invisible church, however, are those that are really his and will be his forever, right? So in other words, Everybody that you see as part of the visible church, literally everybody that you can see that's in the church, quote unquote, is not part of the invisible church. Right. They're not all really Christ. They don't all really belong to Christ. And that is a scary reality. But at the same time, it's a sobering one. Right. Like it is an aspect of we need to examine ourselves to see if we're really in the faith, as Paul will say later. Um but this text is just pointing out that no, like God knows those things. And there's there are people who on a on another note who are um in the church uh with an intent to deceive, right? God's people and false teachers. And and the text scripture will say that over and over and over. Um, but what the text is saying here is that man, at the end of time, one day, and I think he's talking about end in, like literally the wrapping up of history, God is gonna separate the true from the false, the wolves from the sheep, the sheep from the goats, like all of these things that we see later in scripture, God is going to do that. And so we don't have to worry about, that's why, that's why one of the reasons Christ says like, yo, like, no, 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 you can preach the gospel and not be worried, right? Like God is going to do the work of sorting out the wheat from the tares. He's going to keep his people whom he loves. Zechariah 14. All right. So Man, it finishes off in a very poignant prophetic fashion. And some of the details have been debated about how you interpret them, uh, whether they're talking about the life of Christ, whether they're talking about, you know, the church age right now, or whether it's talking about the end of history. I think some of all of it is here. Um, but I think the main point is the main point, right? We got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's, yo, the Lord is ultimately going to triumph and reign on the earth, period, right? Like that is... Yo, like all of our lives should be seen through that paradigm, right? Like God is going to triumph and reign on the physical earth with his people forever. There's nothing that can stop that. There's no sin. There's no war. There's no president. There's no uh, catastrophe. There's no pandemic. There's nothing that's going to stop that reality to come true at the end of history. The Lord is going to reign and triumph. And so in the in a nutshell, this text is going to start off talking about the nations coming to fight against Jerusalem, right? Similar to the past where we have the exiles and all that kind of stuff. Initially, this sounds like a period of great suffering for the people of Israel, which it probably will be, but the text mentions in verse 3 that God will fight against the nations on behalf of Israel. Remember, in the Old Testament specifically, God is depicted as one who rises up and fights for his people as a divine warrior we see this a ton in the psalms when the psalmist david and the other psalmists are calling on the lord to rise up and fight against their enemies right and they mention here that the lord's feet will stand on the mount of olives right and some would say yo this happened in acts one before christ ascended to the right hand of the father all this stuff maybe i don't know um 
and he talks about, you know, this the sun and the moon not shedding its light. And most would believe, you know, um, in this period, the sun and the moon was how they kept track of time. So they didn't have, you know, iPhones with the alarm clocks and the whole nine yards. Right. So <laughs> um, I, I think this text is saying here that like there's this is an aspect of where, you know, uh, they will just be caught up into eternity. Right. Like there will be no reason to keep track of time um, because time won't even be a thing, so to speak. And so, um, you know. Uh, yeah. So basically, man, like God is just saying like all of these things are going to happen in the future. Um, and it will be a forever kind of rain, right? Like it won't be something that's going to have a start date and an end date. Um, but it will be forever. And so it says this, like in verse nine on that day, the Lord will become King over the whole earth, the Lord alone in his name alone. That's an allusion back to Deuteronomy six, where it talked about, you know, um, for the Lord, I got is one worship the Lord that God in him only, uh, he alone is going to be King, right? There's nobody else, no other president, no other leader in the history of time. Not you, nobody will be King, but Yahweh people will live there. Texas is talking about Jerusalem and never again will be a curse of complete destruction. So Jerusalem will dwell in security. Then 16, then all the survivors from the nations that came against Jerusalem, will go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of armies, and to celebrate the festival of shelters. All in all, again, God is going to reign from Jerusalem with his people. In the New Testament, the text will tell us, especially Revelation, that Jerusalem will, will be expanded. The borders of Jerusalem will be expanded to include the entire earth, right? Where God will uh, reign on the new heavens and the new earth you know there will be security for the people of god there's going to be no sin no sorrow no sickness no satan to worry about right and the nations the gentiles those who are not ethnically israel will come and worship god in jerusalem yahweh is king he reigns listen he reigns through and because of the sacrifice and exaltation of his son jesus Right. He Jesus comes down to bring us up. Right. And he is, you know, this Jesus is one whom will subdue, subdue his enemies in the last days. And he asks us now to submit to him. Right. And in submitting our lives to Jesus, we can have today a redeemed past. Right. A comfort in the present and a fixed future. If you're a Christian and you submitted your life to Christ. Everything that's going to happen in this text, you will experience in one way or another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is sure that you make promises and they come true. God, none of your words have ever failed, Lord. And so we ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us today to rely on your word, to remember your word, to study your word, to live your word for your glory, um, for our own good. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.